0: welcome everyone to our gem pursuit we've got a special request today from a big fan of the podcast who wants us to talk about a particular gemstone a cornerstone of the art deco period as well as being fundamental to many other time periods in jewelry today we're going to talk about onyx onyx yes indeed let's get started
1: So onyx has a really long history, um, Matthew, and of course, the variety that we're talking about here will go into a little bit more depth when we get into um, identification, uh, because it can be a little bit tricky to understand all the ins and outs of actually where it sits um, as a gemstone. But in terms of its history and lore, the name onyx itself comes from a Greek word called, which is onyx, which means fingernail. And the reason why it's called fingernail is because in Greek mythology, uh, Cupid was thought to have clipped the nails from Venus when she was sleeping And those fingernails are what makes the gemstone onyx. So this is like um, one of the earliest kind of, uh, I'd say, stories about the gemstone. And in every culture, because it's widespread, easily found throughout the world, there is different uh, connotations connected to this gemstone.
0: Mm. Yeah, you'll see it in... Ancient Rome are Greece, Persia, the US, many different places. And actually, like unlike some of the other gemstones, which have a very recent history, Onyx does date back very, very far into history. And you'll actually see ancient Roman intaglios carved out of it, uh, as well as cameos. It actually is also featured in Pliny the Elder's Naturalis Historia. So it, one of the very, very old gemstones, but has maintained its popularity i would say pretty much the whole way through
1: yeah so the the coloration as well of um of onyx is a really interesting one and of course um, because of its coloration it also has um, some not so nice uh, connections as well so onyx itself is uh, usually a black stone um, and it come. It can also come banded. So when I say banded, it means that, you know, there, there's parts of the stone that can be black and parts of the stone that can be white and also um, parts of the stone that can be brown. So these are the three colors that we kind of find in onyx. And of course, the predominant coloration that we see is black. And so because of the black color, there's a few cultures that see this stone as Um, taboo or uh, dark or filled with depression and sadness and in fact in China um, when slaves or servants were made to mine this stone they would not touch it Because they thought that they, by touching it, that they would get bad dreams um, or that, that, you know, that some bad misfortune would happen to them because of the coloration of the stone. So color also plays a really big part in this one in terms of what it's used for. And in the beginning, you also said, Matthew, that it was a cornerstone of the Art Deco period Indeed it was, but also we see it um, play a huge role in the Victorian period as well. When we fall into the mourning uh, jewellery category, we see a lot of onyx is used as well because black, again, was a sign of mourning. So, you know, there is, you, you do have to look at this gemstone Uh, in all different angles, because from different cultures and different perspectives, the colours mean different things.
0: That's so true. And yeah, I think to to us today, like a black colour would would probably wouldn't have good connotations. But, um, you know, I think one thing that you're saying is dependent on your perspective, like in India or Persia, it was credited because of its like black colour. It had like this almost seemingly never ending void in it it could absorb all negative uh emotions or spirits so it was seen as a really really good thing so uh yeah and and then
1: in (laughs) but then in arabic on black onyx is called jiza, which means sadness so it again it's you know onyx itself as a gemstone it is it really is the two ends of, of the you know it's do you think in a positive way about the gemstone or do you think of it in a negative way because of the coloration I think it's it interesting
0: be, it could be down to the fact as well that it, because it is such an old gemstone like you know we previously spoke about alexandrite alexandrite's only discovered kind of 200 years ago so it hadn't didn't have millennia for people to attribute all these different Uh, connotations to it but because onyx is so old it's probably gone through the full cycle in many different cultures but onyx really has the full spectrum identification yes Elise. this is definitely for onyx for me this is one of the biggest things because okay let's just give a brief overview of what you see when you see onyx first of all it's black There we are now. Aha. That's my gemological appraisal, I would say. And <laughs> no, no, no. Well, I, was ex- I, think, I was expecting Lisa to chime in there, but I think, no, I it's think black and it's opaque, right? So,
1: well, I think that the most important thing is okay. So, I always look at the identification part of the gem episodes as really where. I talk about gemological stuff and I know some people will find this really interesting and some people like Ross will just tune out when they listen to the identification part, right? Because it, it's a lot of jargon. All right. But try and bear with me because this has a lot to do with, um, with the court's family. All right. And this is, again, when you're doing your gemological studies, this is where it can get a little bit hairy. okay? because quartz itself is, again, an umbrella. And then underneath that umbrella, we have a bunch of gemstones. Now, people won't believe how many gemstones fall under the quartz category. There is so, so many. But let me just try and explain it to you. Mainly, there is two different types of varieties of quartz. You have your crystalline quartz and you have your polycrystalline quartz. Your crystalline quartzes are those that uh, grow in quite large crystals. And those large crystals are then turned into gemstones. So just examples of crystalline quartzes would be amethyst, citrine rock crystal. Okay. Those are your, that, that's going to be your, that part of the umbrella, your crystalline quartz, your large crystals that come out of the earth. Okay. Remembering that quartz itself as a variety of gemstone is the most widespread, easily found in every culture, in every facet of the earth is found everywhere. So quartz is the number one gemstone that you can find everywhere, okay? The second part of the quartz family is your polycrystalline quartzes, okay? Or your polycrystalline quartz crystals. Polycrystalline means that it is made up of aggregates of minute or microscopic crystals, okay? So it's lots of little, tiny little crystals that make up a gemstone, Now, within the polycrystalline family, I know this is getting really long now, within the polycrystalline family of quartz, you have chalcedony, jasper, quartzite, and quartz or silica replacements, okay? So that's four things that fall under the crystalline and uh, the polycrystalline quartz. And onyx falls under the chalcedony. Okay? So, yep. so I know I know that's really hard to follow. If you actually draw it out as I'm saying it, you'll understand a little bit more about how this all falls together. But under chalcedony, we also have things like bloodstone and... Um,
0: Green chalcedony. Uh, yeah, and yeah.
1: Uh, uh, carnelian and... Uh, You know, all of that falls under chalcedony, but onyx also falls under chalcedony, but it's the black variety of chalcedony.
0: Yeah, it sounds wordy because there's so many varieties, (laughs) but if there was less varieties, it would, you know, be easy to kind of comprehend. It's a bit like corundum is the stone and then you've got blue sapphire as a type and ruby is another, but there's just more. And there's another branch of it as well. But yeah, it's... I mean, it,
1: it go, it, see, this is the thing is like, um, I know that it's long winded, but this really, really helps you in terms of identifying these gemstones. If you can understand the properties of quartz, then you can understand that whatever it is that you're looking at, if they have the same properties, everything else as the other quartz varieties then you're looking at something that's quartz but you then need to figure out what coloration you're looking at and what other properties that you're seeing. With onyx you need to see this banding so black to white to brown to black to white to brown or even sometimes it's just a really dark brown to white and sometimes it's just black all the way through with little edges of brown.
0: I think that's really important to know because a lot of people when they think of onyx think it is just the black variety, but actually it can have banding and it can have white as well as kind of brownish color. But I think the key thing as well with that is, you know, what separates it from a different agate is, you know, the, within onyx, those bands are going to be like straight lines going through the stone. So you will see, stones that are the same colors like um, black and brown and white but if they're curved bands they're not going to be uh, an onyx they're going to be a different gemstone and you know when i think of onyx i think of just black chains but that is a huge part of it. Yeah,
1: I mean, one thing in in Victorian jewelry that you'll see quite often is beads that are banded onyx so beads.
0: So cool. Yeah. Yeah,
1: and they they can be found um like in relatively, you know, inexpensive antique pieces. So it's a great way to start your antique jewelry collection is with onyx. Um, But you can also get gorgeous earrings that they cut into almost like pendulock drops that have this banding in it as well. And these are onyx. So it's a great way to kind of like test your um, identification skills um Remembering as well that you can do your RI testing, you can do specific gravity testing, and it's great if you have beads and things like that to do specific gravity testing because yes. you can, you know, you can actually.
0: That, that, I think that's the best test. Yeah, specific gravity is really only relates to one particular gemstone generally. Now you'll have to identify the color, I suppose, but. Um, But, uh, you know, RI, there can be different stones with the same RI. But, you know, and the only problem with specific gravity is you have to have the stone completely loose on (laughs) the seat. But like their key tips, I think, at least because in identification of onyx, like because it's opaque, you know, there's other stones like obsidian, black tourmaline that look very like it, especially when it's, you know, cut into beads or similar shapes to distinguish volcanic glass or obsidian that's going to be translucent or transparent so onyx will not be so if you shine a light through the back that will distinguish it against obsidian black tourmaline will have a different ri which would be a good one to test that um but i would say the key thing that to look out for would be the coloration that you described and that uh those parallel linear patterns going through the stone Value at onyx, it's, it comes down to a couple of things, I suppose. Onyx is a fantastic gemstone to go with another gemstone. Because it's black, it'll contrast a lot of stones really well. Like onyx and diamond, the diamonds will always show up really well because they've, they've almost got like a frame around them of black, right? So, and same with other stones, emeralds, ruby. So there's two things. There's obviously the value of the onyx gemstone itself, but the value of onyx in finished jewellery often is to do about the whole piece, not just the onyx.
1: Yeah, this, this one is a difficult one because it has. it's not like a lot of other gemstones. It's not the sum of its parts. It's actually what it is a part of right it's like it's similar to going okay well like how much is a painting worth if you just took one of the paints out of the painting well the paint that you just took out of the painting is not going to be very valuable but when you see it in a picture and it's all put together the value of it increases because of what it actually is a part of and really with onyx it's very similar. However, there is a few exceptions. So um, most of the time onyx is an accent piece that's used in magnificent pieces of, you know, Egyptian revival jewelry from the 1920s and 30s where Van Cleef used it for borders and things like that in, um, in mania pieces. And also like the the background or framing on um, jade earrings you know uh, from the art deco period so those accents and those onyx pieces in that whole piece of jewelry make it extremely valuable but taking it out of the piece is not going to be extremely valuable as just the calibre piece cut of onyx
0: yes yeah
1: But on the flip side, if you can get a banded piece of onyx and that banded piece of onyx has, you know, very beautiful layering and then it has been carved to show a design in relief, like a cameo it becomes extremely valuable because of the banding structure of onyx. So, you know, it's it's different. The value of onyx is very, very different to a lot of other gemstones because um, it's the way that it's manipulated that actually determines its value.
0: Yeah, I mean, like diamonds as well, how you cut them rubies, how you cut them will affect us. But that banding, particularly as well if they have other onyxes in the same piece that match it. Because often, as you, as you mentioned a few minutes ago, it'll be in earrings. You'll sometimes see Victorian banded onyx uh, fringe necklaces with kind of those Pendelock um, banded onyx drops. I remember a few years ago, I was looking at a, a sale and had this uh, Victorian bracelet with what was basically half a golf ball uh like if you cut a golf ball in half and had a banded onyx with the white going right through the middle and it was in a, it was about six of them going around in a bracelet and it was huge and I remember it was only when I started in the business, I remember I think I bid it up to like four or five thousand or something like that and like that piece today would have been worth an absolute fortune and if it came up again I'd definitely have a go at it but like that the was one a that li- got away. The one well, there's been a few that's got away, right? There's been plenty that hasn't. The been. one. But the point is that those were large onyx with that that very pretty banding. It, to get six pieces that had exactly the same pattern, they could have come from the same stone, I suppose. Possibly, it's hard to say. But um, you know, there's value in the like pearls in the uniformity of the collection as well. So. Um,
1: yeah, I mean that's the thing. The thing is, is that um, onyx is readily available in it, in its quantities, right? But what we do with it, what a jeweler does with it, what how they craft it, how they match it to something else that has a similar um, a similar banding. That is what gives it value. So it's real, like it's one of those things where, um, you know, if you look at the statue of David, the marble, the material is worth very little, but today it's a celebrated sculpture because of what it has been turned into through craftsmanship. Yes. So it is the. It's not God the material ass, yes. itself. It's the craftsmanship. It's the manipulation of the material, and it's very, very similar with, with Onyx. Yeah,
0: and on a, a final point there, I don't if you recall, there is, we talked about in a previous episode that there is a point where jewellery goes from the sum of its parts to a different value altogether. Um, you know, you can see that with Art Nouveau jewellery. It's often not about the biggest diamond in it. It's about the design and the, the, the artistic merit to it. And Onyx is a huge contributor to a lot of pieces like that. What's your famous piece, Elise, of Onyx jewellery?
1: So I went for something that was really, really historical because, you know, there's lots of Onyx pieces and they're used as accents in pieces and... Um, I wanted to kind of go with something that took center stage. So it was just onyx, that's it. Um, Remembering as well, which we haven't already mentioned that um, onyx that's banded that has brown and white in it, it can also be called sardonyx. So it's something to kind of be aware of as well. I know we're just throwing that in there in the famous part, but just so that you don't get confused, sardonyx can also be used when it's banded with brown and white and black so the famous uh, piece that I'm going to be talking today is actually really important historically but not only just historically but religiously as well so um, it's a it's a religious relic that was actually rediscovered in the year 2000. Um, in South Africa and it's a sardonic stone um, that is thought to be one of the stones that was used um, to communicate with God um, in the Bible. So in Exodus it talks about a gem set breastplate um, that's also studded in the shoulders so the breastplate itself was something that was worn on the front of the chief priest which at the time was Moses's brother Aaron and it had 12 stones which represented the 12 tribes of Israel on the front of the breastplate Um, and the gemstones were um, said to have illuminated or lit up to spell out answers from god when the priest was the chief priest was asked a question so um, it was used as one of the forms of communication with god the other two forms of communication that were listed in the book of samuel were dreams and prophets and so this particular breastplate was considered extremely important as a form of communication to know god's will now It explains in Exodus that the breastplate also had um, shoulders that were studded with a gemstone on each shoulder, and it was called the Urim and Thummim. So the breastplate and the Urim and Thummim were the way in which the Hebrew people were able to communicate with God. So super, super important historically in the Bible, but also uh, religiously um, for quite a few religions actually. And it is said that one of the stones that were on the shoulders of this particular um, full outfit was a sardonyx. Now, what's really cool about this is that um, in the year 2000, it is said that one of these stones was actually found. And it it had been lost for over a thousand years but apparently had been given by a knight templar to this family in south africa who then had passed it down through the family for generations as a keepsake as something that was to be kept by them um and a very important part i'd say of history and uh, a few a few professors have gone over to actually study this particular stone, and what's really interesting about it is there's a picture of it. You can go and have a look. There's a few um, different newspaper articles that you can see where it actually shows you a picture of this onyx stone, and it's like a it's like a round uh, pebble. It's not in its shoulder um, piece anymore. It's loose. It's like a round. Um, cabochon pebble and you can see the banded onyx in it but what is really interesting about the stone is that when we talk about the communication that they were that they were receiving through the breastplate and the room and is that the letters on the ins were on the inside of the stone and they would light up so that they would know what god was communicating with them inside this onyx there is um two letters which are etched inside the stone now the professor in the year 2000 actually could not understand how those letters were inside the stone without the stone being cut open so it's like a mystery. Like how does how do how are these letters kind of suspended inside the stone? They're trying to they were trying to get um, extra study into it. Now a lot of them are like kind of backtracking and saying they don't really know if it's real. Maybe it's a you know maybe it's a fake. Originally in the year two thousand when it was first looked at, it was you know they were like yeah, it has the right time frame it has the right kind of writing it has everything that we would expect a piece from that time period to have but now that they can't explain how the letters are actually inside the stone without the stone being cut open they're kind of all backpedaling and saying well it must be a fake so it's it's a really interesting thing it's a piece of history and important to mention that it's a standalone piece of onyx that was considered a very important religious piece and of course everything in those times also was had symbolism so it's important to remember that onyx can also stand alone on its own and it's not just an accent piece but can also have you know a really huge impact on its own
0: incredible story at least and actually as you said lovely to get one where you know it shows that onyx obviously is the main stone and obviously such one of such historical importance i think just shows again that onyx is such an old gemstone and then the older you go back with these gemstones the more interesting their history and mythology can be so um and still the mystery continues it seems so for me at least i went the other direction i think in a way uh, you know and just so people listen is we actually don't know what each other pick uh, you know one day i'm sure we're gonna clash and pick the same thing <laughs> it wasn't today but you know you've obviously got this incredible piece of onyx with a fabled history i'm gonna go for a piece where onyx is part of the design a fundamental part of it actually um but it makes him a, a broader piece which really captures one of the key pieces uh, in jewelry history in terms of you know what's super popular and desirable today and that is art deco egyptian revival pieces the reason why this happened was in 1922 Tutankhamun's tomb was discovered by Howard Carter following this and similar to other events in history when something quite historical happens the jewelry in the period immediately following that uses that for inspiration so you know following you know man landing on the moon there was lots of kind of spacey looking jewelry well following the discover of tu- discovery of discovery of Tutankhamun's tomb there was a lot of what is termed egyptian revival so they'll use images from you know ancient egypt so things such as you know hieroglyphics sphinxes you know ostrich feathers lotus flowers uh, and all of those things are contained in this piece uh, which is done by one of our favourite jewellery designers, uh, which is Van Cleef and Arpels. Which for you know anyone in the jewellery industry, when you hear those those words Van Cleef and Arpels, some people just call it VCA. They're up there with Cartier, if not even surpass Cartier. I think that's a debate for another day. Who is the most recognised one? But this particular piece is probably one of their most best-known Egyptian revival pieces. So, um, I can
1: can even picture it in my mind right now as you say it because it's probably one of the finest pieces of uh, toot-mania, I'd like to call it, um, jewellery. And it's, you know, when you're thinking Egyptian revival and if you wanted a piece of Egyptian revival jewellery, this would be a dream, dream, dream collector's item.
0: Absolutely. And if you see it, um, it's set with diamonds are the backdrop. And then it uses a combination of calibrate cut, which means that the pieces, these little stones are actually cut in completely unique shapes to fit the design that they want. Um, so there's calibre cut, sapphires, rubies, emeralds, and of course, onyx. And all of these stones, they depict the Egyptian themes and the onyx gives a really nice contrast and relief to the bracelet. It's a wide panel bracelet uh, set in platinum. And this is typical Van Cleef and Arpels. If you come across anything like this, definitely get it checked because they are super desirable in the trade. And original old ones with the proper signatures are incredibly rare.
1: Matthew. Trade tips for onyx. What would you suggest for uh, someone who's looking to purchase their very first piece of onyx?
0: What I would say to you, if you're looking to purchase your first piece of onyx, uh, and again, it depends on the type of piece that you're going to buy, whether it's a banded dog, uh, onyx or a you know a solid black color, really would come back to the identification of it actually being onyx. So. Obviously there's lots of different stones that look like it, but the key piece I would say and what I always look for when I'm buying onyx is looking for those vertical lines going through the stone. That's absolutely vital uh, and it can be a quick go to if you have your jewelers loop and if you're looking at a piece to identify it correctly. But what that'll do is if it is, a, if it is an art deco style piece, it'll give you an indication that is original to the period.
1: That's a, that's a really good tip. And now I'm going to have to choose something different and probably should have discussed a little bit more through the identification of it. But, um, just want to, uh, reiterate that it is a part of a family. Onyx is a part of a family of gemstones and has the same property as all of the other gemstones within the quartz family. So one thing that I will say for a trade tip is that onyx itself is black in color. uh, It's what most people recognize it as. But most of the black onyx that you see on the market today that is in modern pieces is actually gray chalcedony that has been treated to make it black which therefore makes a black onyx, okay? So this is my trade tip. Um, The way that they change the gray to black is they actually boil it in a solution of sugar, and this treatment then concentrates um, like in acid deposits, and it it makes the stone black, okay? Um, it's not it's not reversible so uh, your black onyx can't go back to grey it's then black so a lot of the newer material that you're seeing actually has been treated to look like onyx so if you're looking for something that is very if you really want it to be original black onyx I would say go for something that's banded um, so that you know that it actually is um, onyx or go for something that is in an older piece and you can see the linings through it um, in order to just be safe
0: yeah and I think being safe with it as well is important when you come to cleaning it although the treatment can be permanent uh, it's a bit like some of the other porous gemstones just mild soap you know uh, in a, not hot uh, just lukewarm water and just give it a wipe is, is the best way to clean it really Well, we are going to wrap it up there. I really hope that the person who requested the Onyx episode really enjoyed it and got something from it. And of course, to everyone listening that you enjoyed it and obviously got a bit of info on Onyx from our discussion today. I'd like to thank, as always, my trusty co-host Elise for today. Thank you. And of course, it wouldn't be an episode of Gem Pursuit without our producer, Ross Hannan. Thank you, Ross. Don't forget, if you have any questions, you can follow us on Instagram at Matthew.weldens. Look forward to hearing from you all very soon.